0: Welcome to A Pint with Nature. It's that time of the week again, loyal listeners. (laughs) Welcome back to A Pint with Nature.
1: Here we are. Here we are. We made it to round four. Round four. Round four, Sorrel. We're still standing. We're still standing.
0: And this particular week we've just had, Sorrel, it's been a bit different from the others.
1: It has, it has.
0: Because we got to see each other! We
1: saw each other in person for the first time did. in a while, didn't we? Yeah. I, I
0: can confirm that Sorrel is actually a real person now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't say the same about Elliot, but it is what it is.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Sorrel. And <laughs> now, this week we've been doing our Tropical Forest Ecology Field Course... In the snow.
1: Of course, where else? Of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like Borneo when we should have been, isn't it? Somebody? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, there's there's positives to take from a field course in the snow. You know that feeling after two hours out in the snow when your fingers start to fall off? That sort of feeling. You don't get that feeling in Borneo, do you?
0: But there's a benefit, Cyril, because right now I am keeping a lovely Spitfire, more on that in a second, cold on my windowsill outside my window.
1: Very nice, very nice.
0: Genius. See, we're not all about nature. There's a bit of a beer tip for all of our listeners.
1: Yeah. Keep that in mind, because it's probably about zero to one degrees outside, right? Colder than your fridge. But anyway, but yeah. Anyway. Let's 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 continue. You said about the Spitfire beer. This is what this episode is based on. So if you've not already guessed, Spitfire, spitting fire, what in nature spits fire? Dragons. Right, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs>
0: no this week's episode is not about dragons it is in fact about volcanoes
1: yes they spit fire they are the fire spitters of actual nature we thought we'd broaden the range a bit this week and go with volcanoes because they're actually one of the starters of a lot of life that exists on the earth
0: right they're also a pretty hot topic
1: ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's good that's good yeah But yeah, we'll um, talk about how volcanoes cause the diversity of life. And it all comes from their spewing of the lava and the magma, which brings up all these nutrients from the earth from within. And we get the rain and the wind then breaking down the lava and the magma once it's cooled. And we get the release of these nutrients like silica, iron, magnesium, calcium, potassium, sodium. All these rare nutrients that get brought up and create this massive diversity of life. It took me a while to learn that basically like a rap
0: what would be your volcanic related rap name sorrel
1: oh
0: uh... i'm thinking hot spew <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is good that is good actually it's memorable it's memorable, it's
0: memorable. i mean nobody's gonna forget that at, at, at all. <laughs> but yeah the interesting thing though sorrel is that around 80% of volcanic eruptions actually occur underwater?
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I
0: mean, I guess that's not too much of a surprise. Because, no. I mean, the Earth is mostly water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What, what is it they say? Oh, I know that there's the stat. Which one's the one which is like our body is something percent water?
1: 60%. Our body 60% water. No, it's more yeah. than that.
0: You are correct. It's is it
1: 60%, 60%? Nice. On the money.
0: Let's have a look at the world.
1: 71. Ooh, 71. That's quite accurate, actually, to the one. 71. Yeah, that is,
0: that is really specific, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But as a result, 80% of volcanic eruptions happen under the water, Sorrow.
1: And therefore, we're talking about land-animal diversity. You think about the diversity of life that happens around these volcanic eruptions that happen underwater. We get these thermal vents and these underwater mud volcanoes that arise. Now, these are interesting in particular because they found something out recently to do with these mud volcanoes in the Arctic Ocean where they started finding billions of these tube worms that were essentially burying into the mud. And they're only seven to eight centimeters long, but when they were doing studies of them, their head was ridiculously hot, almost boiling point. But their tails, because they were out in the ocean, were almost at freezing point. So their whole body was in this, this huge gradient of heat, yet they were still able to survive. All they were doing, all they do, is just feed on the methane gas to live. They just bury their heads, feed on the methane gas that it produces, and then they just stay there. I don't understand their role particularly myself as to why well, I th- that's.
0: I think I know what their role should be. Oh, go on. Well, everyone talks about the methane from cows. Why have we not got these things? Oh, you know. Oh yes. Digging into cows. Yes.
1: That would actually make a lot of sense, actually. Well, the one issue is that a cow's skin is not almost boiling point.
0: Oh, that—that's the one issue. That's
1: the one issue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the plan is foolproof. Yeah.
1: We're almost there. We've almost solved the climate crisis. We're getting close.
0: <laughs> and you heard it here, people.
1: No, but yeah, that's, they're called thermophiles, which means that they're adapted specifically for high temperature environments. And I think it's pretty cool that the enzyme that they need to survive in these high temperature environments is called an extremozyme. So they were. It's a, cool a cool name for an enzyme. I wish exactly. we had that enzyme, but also, you know, maybe not. Extremozyme seems pretty extreme.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is a very good point, Sorrel. Very good point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not just these worms that you find in these underwater ones, Sorrel. You can get all sorts of shrimp, crabs, and even. A species of shark, Sorrel, has been found on underwater volcanoes. No way! The Pacific sleeper shark was found in 2015 by some sort of robotic camera droid. Yep. Technology, eh? <laughs> to be found in a volcano, underwater. That's amazing. And basically, up until now, everyone thought that it was only small things that could survive. Yeah, yeah.
1: Microorganism sort of level, right?
0: Yeah, and, and ultimately that's because they can afford to be wiped out in a volcanic blast. If there's billions of them, but only a few thousand of these sharks left, yeah, they can afford to all accumulate around these potentially erupting volcanoes and have one population wiped out, but these sharks can't. So it was a pretty big discovery to find that uh, these Pacific sleeper sharks could... I think they're the biggest organism they've found so far living next to these underwater volcanoes.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about underwater stuff, though, isn't it, is that there's still something like 90% of the oceans left to explore. It's because we barely know it at all.
0: Mm. Ooh, maybe we'll have to have an episode on it at some point, Sorrel.
1: Oh, maybe. What's a,
0: what's a fish-related beer?
1: Uh, well, they use... Up until recently, I think they stopped doing it a lot with major beer companies, but to make the beer clear... So, you know, like your your normal lagers Appellate. that you would get. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Hot spew. <laughs> but, yeah, to to make your beers clear... There we go again. Can't stop. They, use, uh, they used to use, anyway, and I think they probably still do in a few, a substance called Isinglass, which they get out of fish's bladders. No. Yeah, so... The reason that beers used to be clear, they've started using more artificially made chemicals now to make beer clearer. But in production, not that long ago, isinglass from fish bladder used to be the the substance to make beer clearer. So I'm looking
0: at my Spitfire now, Sorrel, and thinking, thank goodness it's not a clear beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Spitfire. Hey, the brewery that makes Spitfire has been going since 1537. No. Yeah.
0: It's... Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! But the plain Spitfire wasn't made at the, then.
1: The brewery that makes Spitfire. Spitfire, I Elves think, came was... later. So, But the brewery that makes Spitfire now is, came from 1537.
0: It's like the age-old question. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah,
1: what came first?
0: <laughs> the beer or the plane? <laughs> <laughs>
1: But the plane, actually, that's so, yeah, obviously that's what the beer is named after, is the famous World War II plane. And we've taken our twist on it to talk about volcanoes. But the Spitfire plane itself was was quite...
0: Somewhat talk about volcanoes. (laughs) Somewhat, yeah.
1: But the Spitfire plane was put into production and is the most produced airplane from Britain. And that's because they used it so much during World War II because it was the fastest and the most agile fighter, short-range fighter that they could use. It was faster than the Hurricane. Elliot, out of uh, a volcano or a hurricane, yeah, which one would you against. rather come up against?
0: Ooh, I've actually I've actually been in a hurricane. Oh, really? Yeah, when me and my family, years and years and years ago, went to Florida, we were hit by a hurricane, and all the news before it came was sort of saying, stay inside, weirdly enough, put all of your furniture, like we were saying in like a villa, put all of your pool furniture in the pool, which when you think about it, it's like, what? And the is, it's to stop it from blowing away. Genius. Oh, that's quite genius, clever, really. actually. Yeah. But they said, you know, put all your furniture in the pool that's outside. Lock all the doors. Lock all the windows. Buckle in, basically. See so you on the other side. And so I remember looking out, sort of the windows, and everyone is sort of like batting down the hatches, not going outside. And there's me and my family out on the street with a camera taking pictures because these trees <laughs> are getting absolutely like below, like ninety degrees. It was unbelievable. Those
1: Brits. Those Brits. They can't, can't take them anywhere.
0: I know. We were we were voted the worst tourists yeah. in the world. <laughs> And my family is the reason why. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. going back to volcanoes, yeah. I have an interesting fact for you. When you think of a volcanic eruption, how long do you sort of anticipate that it sort of lasts for?
1: I would have thought half an hour to an hour sort of time. Half an hour to an hour. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. It's interesting. I and mean, it couldn't be further from the truth.
1: Oh, right, okay.
0: The longest major observed eruption is from a volcano, and...
1: Is it from a like... volcano? Is from? A... Is it? Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. A... That's, that's new information to me.
0: <laughs> cold, Sorrel, cold. And this is a bit of a running trend in this show, that I constantly end up coming across things I don't know how to yeah. pronounce. But I looked this one up before the show, and I can't for the life of me remember what I was saying. <laughs> So, we're going to go for it anyway. Kilauea. That's good. I thought that sounded I, didn't, I
1: think that's right. I think that's right. It's the one in Hawaii, right? It is. Yeah.
0: It's been erupting since 1983. Wow. So, you know, you're half an hour to an hour, Sorrel.
1: Is, yeah. That's <laughs> nothing. Mean,
0: you were close. <laughs> How did you know about that volcano in Hawaii?
1: Well, because it's yeah, it's one of the most active volcanoes. I think looking at photos and stuff from it, it's it's the actual definition of why we would do an episode like this where we could associate Spitfire with a volcano. Because you see Kilauea in action and it is exactly what you think lava would be like, where it's this floating sort of black surface with orange cracks and then the orange lava shoots up out of it, and it's glowing orange, it's neon orange. It's quite amazing. It's quite beautiful when you're not there, but if you are actually there, you're thinking, I I need to leave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's beautiful to everyone not affected by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. I actually can't believe you knew that volcano though, Cyril, that's, that's what I, mean. I mean, do you reckon you can name more volcanoes than me, Cyril? I, I mean, I, I'm a bit gutted you beat me on the dog breeds round last week. Maybe I'm not, not as, as
1: confident with volcanoes, they're not my forte. Right, do you want me to go first? You go first, Squam.
0: Okay, after I've said my first volcano, I want to see if you can spell it.
1: Oh, Alright, go on then.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a sound every time you get it wrong. e It's the Icelandic. One. Oh, is
1: it the one that went off and all the ash stopped the planes in the sky? Yeah, in 2010. Right. Remember,
0: yeah. E. Yep, yeah, it's a good start.
1: Y. Yes. F. I, I honestly forgot what you've said already. e
0: <laughs> E-y-a. No. Yeah. All right, you're going to
1: have to give
0: up, aren't you? I'm giving up. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got two letters in. It's a pretty long word. E Y J A F J A L L A J O K U L L.
1: There's a lot of Js in there.
0: There's a lot of Js. Have you have you ever seen a word with more Js in?
1: I don't think I have.
0: Jam. No, it's got one.
1: It's just one. <laughs> <laughs> juju. That's two. What does that mean? Oh, it's like some bad juju in here. Oh. Can... Is it? I'm making up.
0: Okay. E Y J A F J A L L A J O K U L L. Your turn.
1: Uh, Mount St Helens. Kilimanjaro. Kilauea. Aronal. Mount Fuji.
0: What's the one that destroyed Pompeii? Vesuvius! Yeah. Oh, Vesuvius! <laughs> that's
1: literally the next one for me.
0: Give up, Sorrel. Give up.
1: I'm done. I think I am done. You think you're done?
0: Well, yes! done. Well,
1: yes! <laughs> Get in! There's loads, though. There's loads. I think from 28th of January this year, there's actually 45 active, still erupting volcanoes, which is a huge number. I've been to them. You've been to a an active volcano?
0: I have been to an active volcano. Yeah. Oh, well. I, I just said it in my uh, my list just then. Arenal. It's in Costa Rica. Oh, very nice. And when I was staying in the, when I was staying in Aranal, I remember going on a tour up the volcano and the tour guide was telling us all about sort of the area and you know how it's been affected by the volcano in the past and telling us about the blast radius and the red zone. The way that evacuations occur is that there are basically three zones. There's the safe-ish zone. They've got more than enough time to sort of get out if if everything goes to plan. Then you've got sort of like the amber zone, like oh, you're you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah. But some people will probably get out. Yeah. And then you've got the red zone, which is they almost won't even bother trying to get you because if an eruption occurs, you're not getting out of there. No. And I remember turning to the tour guide saying, "So what about my hotel? Um, what zone is that anyway?" "Oh, it's red."
1: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think okay yeah <laughs> fantastic nice <laughs> that's
1: exactly where you want to be the red zone exactly Exactly. <laughs> no anyway talking about the life around volcanoes we can bring it back full circle <laughs> after long tangents off
0: massive massive tangents <laughs>
1: And one of the most fascinating things that I think about volcanoes is active ones, especially life can't really exist there because the conditions are too extreme. But there's this one volcano called Oldoinyo Lengai, which is in Tanzania.
0: That is just the best name ever.
1: Yeah, it's a really cool name. There's also the Mountain of God, still active, and it's in the African Rift Valley, and there's a lake that it creates the heat for called Lake Natron, and the lake can reach temperatures up to 60 degrees Celsius, and it's bright red in colour. It's, it's crazy. It's a death zone. You know, no life can actually live there.
0: It's only 60 degrees. Why can't anything survive
1: that? 60-degree water, right?
0: How hot's a bath?
1: Oof, that's a good question, actually. I think it's less than 60 degrees.
0: Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I don't know. How hot is a bath? A sl- uh, slightly warmer than your body temperature. Right, yeah. So slightly slightly 40 degrees ish. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Because yeah, 60- 60 degrees is when
1: your blood boils. So I think, you know, humans would have a struggle swimming in it.
0: Oh, uh,
1: okay. <laughs> anyway, every three to four years, the you know, a drought happens and the water in this lake can dry up and it creates this salt crystal island. And this bird called the lesser flamingo has become adapted to using these salt crystal islands.
0: Are these the same flamingos? That the babies often get caught in the salt crystals.
1: Yes, yeah, that's later on in the process. But they use they use these islands to to nest, right? So they use them to reproduce, and then obviously, yeah. So it's a benefit because they can't be reached by predators because they're islands in this middle of this deadly lake. But the as you say, the disadvantages, and you you probably know the rest, though.
0: The disadvantage, listeners, dear listeners, is that these poor flamingos often get salt buildup on their legs, and often cause them to become stranded and eventually to die yeah well, especially especially when all the other flamingos have to leave they have this incredible ability to, to fly uh, <laughs> like, like like a lot of birds and ultimately the the salt becomes too heavy and, and they can't cope anymore very sad very sad yeah and on that note we'd like to close this episode Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and we'll, we'll leave on that really light-hearted note, and <laughs> we'll, we'll go into our facts off. Eh? Yeah, that's probably a good idea, Cyril. Let's <laughs> lighten the tone a little bit from there. Have you got your facts ready this week?
1: I do have my facts ready. You do you do? have yours ready?
0: Yeah, and they are all really different this week. Oh, okay. I've got some really, really, You might, different
1: facts. you might pull it back then to a two-two. You might.
0: Yeah, I might do. I might do. To be Let's honest, see. looking back at last week's one. How did I let you win after your first fact?
1: I know. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) I just stole the win from you. It's all right. right. We'll
0: let you off. It's in the (laughs) past. All right.
1: So it's the winner goes first. Oh, off you
0: go then. So it's me first again. Here we go. Here you go. First
1: fact. So, as we mentioned in the episode, Kilauea, a famous hawaiian volcano and some of the diversity of life associated with that hawaiian volcano is the honey creeper which is a famous native hawaiian bird and although they're quite interesting because of their really weird shaped beak that's not my fact today my fact today is that they're known to have a unique odor and that unique odor is that they smell like old canvas tents According to somebody I don't know who,
0: <laughs> there was obviously someone walking along that had a canvas tent with them and they thought, "Oh my canvas tent just smells so canvassy today and then they went, "Oh I left my my tent at home though
1: <laughs> and suddenly a honey creeper appeared
0: <laughs> light bulb moment, the honey creeper smells like canvas tent, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. so <laughs> a slightly tenuous link to uh, to volcanoes. But I guess, yeah, yeah, a bit live off path, but yeah, it's sort of living yeah, near a volcano, volcano. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I like that one. I like that one. I'm going to start with quite a simple fact. I prefer your one, but this is a, this is a, this is cool. Yeah. More than eighty percent of the Earth's surface is of volcanic origin. Really. Mm-hmm. That's more way than more than I
1: thought. Actually, that's that, way that's, more than that's, I thought.
0: That's why I thought it was an interesting fact because that is yeah. a lot more than I thought. Yeah, as well. yeah. There you go. More than eighty percent. So, 80%. I mean, you have almost certainly walked on land that is from volcanic origin. Wow. So, and and all of our listeners out there, you, my friends, are walking on volcanoes right now.
1: Yeah. Well, eight out of ten of you.
0: <laughs> and we want to say thank you to our yeah. ten listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Here's
1: my fact no that's good that's actually yeah it's that's good. way it's more than I thought off you go okay, okay next fact another one you know tenuous link to volcanoes <laughs> on a bit off path again but
0: that's not like us at all not
1: like us we're, we're, we're used to staying on track <laughs> Mount Etna in Italy quite I've famous
0: sorry I've just got to interrupt you. why didn't you say that when we had the uh, volcano <sighs> off earlier
1: <sighs> that's really annoying that's really annoying <laughs> <laughs> that's really annoying that's really annoying Anyway, Mount Mount Etna Etna. in Italy. Mount Etna Etna in Italy is home to a high diversity of life, as we mentioned. And one of those species of life that's found home on Mount Etna is the porcupine. Porcupines in Italy. Porcupines in Italy. I know. One of the things that they were thought to do was they were able to shoot out their spikes from their back, but actually. That's not true at all. It's just an illusion. They actually lose spikes as they shake aggressively. And it's been written in myth culture that they shoot them out when actually they just shake and they just fall out. So there you go. Not volcanoes at all, but nope. they live on volcanoes. No. So, but,
0: but of course, your fact does open up one of life's biggest questions. And, you know, as you said, Italian's biggest question, which is, is it right to put porcupine apple on a pizza?
1: Right, get out. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking you were going to say, but it definitely was not <laughs> any <way> near that. <laughs> oh, dear.
0: Okay, all right. Mine, um, unlike yours, I'm feeling a wind coming this week, given mine are actually all volcano related.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can already sense it.
0: And talking of sensing it, oh. that is an excellent uh, wow. link. Animals are known to naturally sense disasters much before humans can. In particular, it's been known that dogs can predict when a volcanic eruption is about to occur. And so it's often uh. been seen in the past that animals escape eruptions when humans don't. Obviously now we've got like cars and helicopters and stuff. but Right, yeah. And, and, and oh. I, I, I don't know about you, I've not seen a car driving a... No, not a car driving a dog. A dog <laughs> driving... A <laughs> dog driving a car... I've, not seen yeah, a I mean, dog car.
1: I've never seen a dog <laughs> driving a car. I've seen a car drive a dog all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good fact, though. That is good. That is good,
0: isn't it? that's
1: really interesting actually their senses must be we just our senses must be terrible really in comparison
0: yeah i mean they don't 100 percent know why these animals can sense it but they think it's just because there's like like small tremors and they're better at feeling tremors
1: right right so
0: i don't i don't really know how we'd get better at feeling tremors no we'll 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 practice yeah Practice makes
1: perfect. Over over 150,000 to 4 million more years of evolution will practice. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Go on, that's all. You're next Right, time. i got one fat left in me. And actually, I reckon I'm winning at the moment. You're, you're ahead. You're ahead, I think, yeah. But uh, this one is related to volcanoes. So, oh, um... Interesting, because my last one isn't. Oh, we've flipped the switch, haven't we? Yeah, Here yeah. we go, all right. So you would think the furthest point on Earth from the Earth's core would be the summit of Mount Everest, right? Because that's the highest point of land that we know on the Earth's surface. But because of the Earth's orbit and because of how it spins, the Earth actually flattens and bulges out of the equator. So that means that land at the equator can actually be, you know, further from the core than the rest of the Earth. So the furthest point of land from the actual core of the Earth is a volcano. And it's Ooh. the Volcan Chimborazo, in Ecuador, the summit of that is the furthest point of land from the Earth's core.
0: That's a proper quiz question, that is, isn't it? Yeah, pub you'll, quiz you'll one. Be wa- you'll be watching the chase in a few weeks' time, and that's going to be the. Yeah, question It's
1: going to be on there, isn't it? <laughs> I hello. Like that was well, okay. a good one to end with the volcano one compared to my other two.
0: Yeah, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent to my one, but uh, I think you'll like it. George H. W. Bush once received a Komodo dragon as a present. Uh...
1: Oh, nice, nice, nice.
0: Halfway through his term as president, at the age of 41, the Indonesian government letted a Komodo dragon to the Oval Office.
1: Where did he put it?
0: I mean, apparently, they didn't actually keep it at the Oval Office. Right. I said he donated it to Cincinnati Zoo. Okay, all right. But it was <laughs> the president's wow. Komodo dragon. Oh, and, and if people don't see the link there, of course, dragons also spitfire and are also very much real. In, like the form of, in the
1: form of Komodo dragons, yeah. The biggest
0: lizard in the world, sorry. Yeah. but yeah. Wow. And it fathered, that same Komodo dragon fathered 32 young. No way. And it passed away in 2007 Seven at the age of 24. Wow. There you go. Poor George.
1: But at least yeah, they're they're so, up there in heaven together, hey?
0: Do you reckon Komodo dragons are roaming around in heaven?
1: I would have said they're quite friendly creatures.
0: Almost all adult Komodo dragons are cannibals. Oh. Yeah. Apparently, they can consume 80% of their own body weight in one sitting. Wow. I certainly wouldn't pet one.
1: No. <laughs> well, but there we go. That is my facts, Errol there we go we've got a komodo dragon spitting fire to link back to our volcano spitting fire i think i might have to concede and give that one well at least two of mine because at least two of yours are related to volcanoes, so i I think that's a i think that's a slight i think that's a slight win to either yeah so that evens it out two two here we go
0: yeah i mean i I did not know that you know george hw bush was given a komodo dragon yeah that's a good fact yeah and a good present and uh, your birthday's coming up in a couple of months carol and it i is. think i already know what you want
1: well yeah i'm not going to tell you but it rhymes with remodo bargain
0: <laughs> all right well yeah yes hope you've enjoyed listening and uh, tune in next week when hopefully we'll be able to stay on topic a little bit more and, <laughs> uh, but, but but still but still have a bit of a laugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for listening
1: see you next time good night see you next
0: time good night <laughs>